Disney has found itself in a mouse trap. Let's talk about it on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone. It's time for another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and I have a lot of ground to cover here today, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time in way of introduction. Uh, But I want to read to you um, a quote from a, a website I found called the Theology of Work Project. Uh, and he was talking about engaging culture. And I think it's going to tie in uh, very specifically to what we are going to talk about today. Uh, he says in Acts 17, Paul provides a model for us and how to engage the culture respectfully. It begins with observation. Paul strolls the streets of Athens and observes the temple of the various gods he finds there. He reports that he, quote, looked carefully at the objects of worship he found there, which he notes were, quote, formed by the art and imagination, end quote, of people. He read their literature, knew it well enough to quote, and treated it respectfully enough to incorporate it into his preaching about Christ. In fact, it even contains some of God's truth. Paul says, for he quotes it as saying, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. A commitment to radical transformation of society does not mean that Christians have to oppose everything about society. (laughs) And I believe that really to be true. We can can even look at the world or what we would consider to be the secular world, and we can appreciate the gifts and talents of God's people, whether they know they're God's people or not. Um, I'm moved by sometimes secular songs, movies, acting, art, and even something like Disney. I'm actually wearing my Walt Disney shirt. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to stand up here. I got my Mickey Mouse shirt on here today uh, in honor of what we're going to talk about, (laughs) but it's not necessarily going to be in a good light. Um, Disney has found itself in a mousetrap. And I want to go through this because we need to observe the world and what they're doing and what they're saying. And we need to be educated ourselves about what is happening in this world. And clearly, if you've been paying attention to the news, you know that Disney has been in the news a lot lately. They are responding to what's called the the Parental Rights in Education Bill that is being passed, that has been passed by the Florida legislature uh, and certainly championed by Governor DeSantis uh, there. Uh, It's interesting because as I've researched this parental rights and education bill. There's a lot of people, a lot of commentary about it. And if you pull up Google and just get commentary, you can get the conservative and the liberal side of all of these issues. But I decided to do something radical and actually read the bill. <laughs> sometimes, that, sometimes we forget to do the obvious and really just see what it says, because it's interesting how people spin it um, in all sorts of different directions. But to, to clarify, this is not a radical bill in regards to other states. I believe it said there were like 38 other states that have actually have that actually has a parental notification and rights bill in regards to their education. 
Um, uh, let me just read some of it. Uh, procedures for notifying a student's parent if there is a change in the student's services or monitoring related to the student's mental, emotional, or physical health or well-being, and the school's ability to provide a safe and supportive learning environment for the student. The procedures must reinforce the fundamental right of parents to make decisions regarding the upbringing and control of their children by requiring school district personnel to engage, to encourage a student to discuss issues relating to his or her well-being with his or her parent or to facilitate discussion of the issue with the parent. The procedures may not prohibit parents from accessing any of their students' education and health records created, maintained, or used by the school district. Um, and it says, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a matter that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. My friends, and this is the fulcrum on, upon which this debate rests. I mean, it, it feels kind of straightforward, like the school is actually accountable to parents. I believe that's not a radical notion. I don't believe that's something that should raise eyebrows. And this idea of not talking about sex, sex orientation, or gender identity until after grade three does not feel all that radical to me either. I was just watching Fox News uh, the other night and one of the commentators was saying that he has a kindergartner and he said he's learning the word the. <laughs> he said he's learning the word the. What kind, of, what kind of orientation does he have to anything else sexually or romantically? It's completely inappropriate to be talking about those things Anyway, and of course, as we talked about around the dinner table today, that these parents who want their children to be indoctrinated into this idea of sexual identity or orientation can talk to them about it around their dinner table if they want. But it always has to be something more than that, doesn't it? It has to be about an indoctrination of our culture, and that's where pushback comes in. That's where we need to be knowledgeable and understanding of what is written, uh, what is being discussed, so that we understand what is going on. Let me read this paragraph to you. <laughs> it just kind of made me chuckle. This was a Spanish teacher from Oakland Academy in Lafayette, Indiana. She says, parent organizations and community organizations from across the state came together and spoke out forcefully against this bill. It was presented as representing parents. But it's clear from our interactions with parents and the parent organizations that joined us that this was simply not the case. They want to see honesty in education and want us to be able to teach what we've been teaching in our curriculum according to the standards. This little paragraph speaks volumes because number one is they said that this is represented as representing parents and then she doesn't actually quote the bill. She quotes people, her buddies that she's been talking to. And they think that it actually doesn't represent parents. She actually didn't cite the bill, which clearly represents parents. And then 
She said we want to honestly, um, they want to see honesty and education. This whole bill is about fair and open disclosure and want us to be able to teach what we've been teaching in our curriculum. And that about says it all. That about says it all. There is an agenda connected to what they're teaching in their curriculum and the parents that they're talking to thinks it's a great idea. My friend, this bill in and of itself is very straightforward and very, very um, filled with common sense. This parental rights law is about protecting children and parents' rights from not having five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds being talked to about sex. (laughs) Oh, boy. I think that's fairly straightforward. So what does this have to do with Mickey Mouse on my t-shirt? You know, I want to go back to what I said before about appreciating the things of this world. You know, our family has been to Disney World twice now, and I am telling you that it is one of the most wonderfully organized and administrated businesses I've ever seen in my entire life. In fact, the first time we went, I began to research other things like Disney cruises and other things uh, because it is so well run and the employees seem to really buy in to the philosophy of of the the fun and the entertainment connected to Disney World. It was actually tangible and noticeable to the point where I actually looked up on Google after I came home from Disney, like, what is their special sauce? What do they do in customer service that makes you feel so important and connected? So they do something right at Disney. With that being said, (laughs) the last two weeks, they have done something not right. I'm just going to read, Disney chose to wade into this debate. The liberal elitists, instead of saying staying in their lane, which is what? Question mark. Entertaining families, making a lot of money for their shareholders. But instead, they decided to attack the state of Florida. They're the ones who said, we're going to fight this law. We're going to get this law overturned. So they picked this fight and they're going to lose this fight. The Florida state passed a bill Wednesday to strip Disney of its special governing status. We're going to talk about that in just a second. It's very interesting, but the CEO of uh, Disney uh, initially took a very appropriate stance and said, we are going to stay neutral on this bill because we are not a political organization, which was exactly the right thing to say. And then... They started to receive pressure from the liberal elitists. And they said, you cannot be on the fence on this issue. You need to speak up. This is a human rights issue, is what they would say. And uh, reading an article by Colin uh, Lodwick uh, from Fortune magazine, he says the Florida legislation formerly known uh, the Florida legislation uh, formerly known as parental rights and education um, and the detra- distractors are calling it the don't say gay bill, which interestingly, it doesn't say at all in this bill, has trapped the Walt Disney Company in a web of controversy since early March. 
Though Disney and CEO Bob Chappick initially refused to comment on the legislation, the company now publicly opposes it, a position that now, two months later, is spurring Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to consider revoking special privileges that the company has enjoyed for over half a century. On March 7th, Chappick sent employees a letter saying that Disney would take no position on the proposed legislation, though he affirmed the company's support uh, for... LGBTQIA plus rights. The letters are getting longer. Please see previous podcast. <laughs> he wrote, as we have seen time and time again, corporate statements do very little to change outcomes or minds. Instead, they are often weaponized by one side or the other to further divide and inflame. That's a pretty good place to start. Then he said, I understand our original approach no matter how, he then wrote another letter to the employees. I understand our original pro approach no matter how well intended. Didn't quite get the job done, he said, but we're committed to supporting the community going forward. He apologized further in a letter to employees. It is clear that this is not just an issue about a bill in Florida, but instead yet another challenge to basic human rights. So he jumped in with both feet into the political fray that is not Disney's platform. Former McDonald's CEO Ed Renzi is quoted in saying, I think probably they were speaking to an audience within company of employees and executives, but the fact of the matter is boards of directors and executives of companies work for their shareholders. Their duty is to increase profit and sales in a good way so that stockholders benefit. So they get dividends and additional stock and the company can grow. And when they get off into minority issues and social engineering and political issues, they lose their focus of responsibility. In my opinion, the chief legal officer of Disney should be fired. The CEO ought to be fired because they entered into an area without thought and care. The people of Florida are not ignorant. Nowhere in that bill, from what I've read, does it say the word gay anywhere. This is a parents' rights bill to make sure that ch their children aren't exposed to sexual material before they're mature enough to handle it. I think that's reasonable. End quote. Well, it turns out that Ed Resney, former McDonald's CEO, is completely right. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, Disney's stocks continue its sharp decline as the company is sent to rank among the worst performing stocks in 2022. The media conglomerate is, continue, is continuing its free fall as experts reported the company was the worst performing Dow Jones stock of the year, plummeting 31% over the last year. Disney's financial meltdown comes in the midst of its ongoing war with Governor Ron DeSantis, which started when Disney bosses opposed the so-called don't-say-gay bill and enraged the governor for weighing into politics. DeSantis and his fellow Republicans have since lashed out at Disney. In its recent weeks, DeSantis said he wanted to remove Disney's protections, noting he doesn't support special privileges in law just because a company is powerful. Now, I'm a believer in free speech, and I believe that Disney as a company can do whatever they want to do, but I also believe that the consequences that they are now feeling financially lines up with, with the fray that they entered into, which was never theirs to carry in the first place. And in fact, like we read earlier, I thought that Disney was about protecting children. 
about protecting the parents that pay for the tickets for the children. It just feels like it wasn't a fight that they should pick in the first place. And yet, when you get blinded by the, the, the radical agenda of those that aren't satisfied with family, that aren't satisfied with parents leading their families, then, then you actually get this backlash. There's going to be a response from society, and it's good that there is. Please hear me in this. It's good that there is because that's setting boundaries around our society that we actually care. The Florida state legislator, I'm reading from Fox News, the Florida state legislator has a backbone basically sending a message to all those woke corporations that you cannot dictate policy to the people of Florida. So Disney successfully flew under the radar for a very long time. The company received its self-governing power 55 years ago when the counties where Disney was constructed lacked the resources to assist the company. When a company serves a public interest, uh, sometimes the counties and the, and the state itself can actually give them sort of a self-governing um, a place where that helps with taxes and they see that Disney is a benefit to the state, period. And so they sort of take their hands off and allow them to run with the things they need to run with because the counties basically can't even keep up. Unfortunately, the... When, when companies like this enter into the political fray, it's easy for politicians then to see that they are no longer serving the public interest. Oops. Disney found themselves in a mousetrap. And that came to pass last Thursday when the Florida House voted 68 to 38 to end the Reedy Creek Improvement District on Thursday meaning Disney will no longer be able to operate as a self-contained government. This is a big deal for Disney. It's certainly a big deal financially for them, for their infrastructure, for the things that they would hope to do or expand. Pretty much any other building product now would have to go through usual channels um, uh, through the state to get approval. Um, This is going to unfortunately bog them down. I say unfortunately, and I put it in quotes, unfortunately for them, Um, But I think it's important message that has been sent by the legislature of Florida, as well as to the CEO of this company. You can't just uh, take an agenda and, and press it upon the people. And especially a place like Disney, which is all about family. But this is what I really want to talk to you about in the time that I have left, which makes me very happy and very excited. And I'm reading an article that's got a great title. And this is what it says. Ahead of midterms, parents are flexing their political muscles. See, parents have fought over this past year about COVID and getting children back into school, uh, critical race theory, which we've certainly covered, and now this issue of sexual identity. But Remember, we are the ambassadors of heaven and we actually have a say in what happens. And and when we band together and we we, uh, become powerful in the sense that that our voices are heard, things actually shift and change in the culture. And that's what this podcast is all about. That's what makes my heart go pitter-pat because I believe that it's actually possible to implement and, and create real change in our culture, which is what we need. Laura Zork, the director of education reform at the conservative advocacy group FreedomWorks and a Florida parent, 
said she became an activist after the Common Core debate in 2012. As a mother and grandmother of children in the public schools, however, she said other parents who hadn't been activists also got fired up and have planned to make their voices heard at the polls. The way we're going to get involved in these midterms is we're going to get out there. We're going to volunteer. We're going to show up and we're going to vote, Zork said. And the individuals that are not protecting our parental rights, we are dedicated and we are organizing to vote vote them out of office. It's powerful. It's powerful when we band together. Moms for Liberty has launched a political action committee in Florida, as well as a few federal PACs, but the group was still working on fundraising. Um, She said some candidates have reached out to the group for an endorsement. You know that you've arrived when political candidates are reaching out to you for an endorsement. It means that you actually have the ear of the people. We keep saying in 2022 is the year of the parent. We can't wait to see what the fall brings, she added. Parents' Rights and Education has also launched a federal PAC in the last few years and endorsed candidates in school board races. Like others, the group was also looking to expand, expand its influence. Influence is a powerful word and it's essential for cultural reformation. I think this is interesting. Educational issues became a major focal point in politics after the Virginia gubernatorial race last fall. This was Republican Glenn um, Youngkin uh, positioning himself against Democrat Terry um, McAuliffe. Um, And they were doing their debate, and it was actually neck-to-neck going into the debate from a poll standpoint. Until Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat, said during the debate, quote, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach, end quote. A Fox poll news just ahead of election day showed that Yonkin ahead of McAuliffe with a double-digit margin in the wake of the gaffe. But was it a gaffe? I, I believe these things come out in the moment because they come out from the soul, from what people really believe. And I just believe what happened there is that the truth came out and that people and the parents actually were able to see it. And that's what I'm praying even heading into these midterms, that the truth would be seen, that people can see it clearly and honestly. Savante Mirak is the executive director of The People for the American Way. And she says, Our message is clear. Stop lying to our children. My friends, that's what it boils down to. That's what my last podcast was about. This idea that we can really say what we want and and change curriculum and, and keep parents out of it and brainwash the children. It's not appropriate. It's not appropriate for our public schools. It's not appropriate for our culture. My friends, we can make a difference. These people are already making a difference, and Florida is sort of this microcosm of what can happen when something as big and powerful as the Walt Disney Company can actually be shaken down to its core by those who actually believe in basic cultural truth. I believe it can be us. I believe that it can be you. That's what this podcast is for, about pushing back against culture. If you're concerned about the direction the culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. And the people in Florida have, and they've done it effectively. But I think it's funny because I think that they think that we actually can't. That we are too quiet, that we're too nice, that we're 
um, in the fetal position and we just take culture and let it just wave over us. Um, I am here and I believe my role and why the Lord had me start this podcast is to be a voice that says that I believe that we can. I believe that we can. And it's interesting how this debate really comes back to family, power of parents, because that's how it's supposed to work. It's the healthiest way for it to work. And I believe that we, the ones listening to this podcast, the sound of my voice can be the ones that actually impact and change the culture. It's happening right now, so I know it can be done. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments about this topic or others or previous podcasts, please go to pushbackculture.org, pushbackculture.org, and please leave any message, comment, questions that you might have for me, and I'd be happy to entertain those or even bring them up on a future podcast. I love you all so much. Thanks for listening again, and until next week, let's go together now to set and shape the culture.